Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I am glad to have a returning special queen coming to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show this morning. Nate DeVette, thank you, Queen, for being with us once again. How are you doing as we get into your area of, of expertise in this morning's discussion question is how to scale a black business. Say hello to all the truth seekers and tell them a little bit of your background. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can, a, little, a little low. I don't know if it's the phone or you're talking low. I mean, I think people can hear you clearly up. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so good morning, uh, Truth Seekers. This is Lene Javette. Um, I am the founder of the Mogul and Training membership. I, my moniker is Mogul and Training. Basically, I train to live uh, for, in excellence as a mogul. Um, I don't believe a mogul is somebody who has money. Uh, I believe you have to have power and knowledge first before you get to money, which is why I, I look to train and uh, input and elevate our community to be moguls, which is just basically people of excellence, black excellence, legacy, and things of that nature. And so I wake up every day and help myself and our community train to be better. Absolutely, Queen. I'm so glad to have you. And I like how you mentioned that, the idea of power, influence, and the idea of being a mogul. I just saw a meme literally this this morning that says, you know, a lot of people try to get the money and then make the plan, but actually have to make the plan to get the money. And so I think that falls right in line with what you're helping people do. And specifically for this morning's discussion question, how to scale a black business that's in. You wake up every day helping people do that, and you've had some success on your own in many your ways. And, you know, you're pretty humble about it, and we've had you on the show in the past talking about some of the things that you've been able to do um, yourself. 
Uh, but now, again, the focus is on helping others. And so I'm loving what you're doing. Again, mobile and training membership. I love this uh, rendition that makes, you know, in a sense, learning business available to anyone who's looking to do it, go into it, from, you know, from what I can tell. Uh, but the question I always like to ask my guests when I bring them on is when they first hear the discussion question, Again, I go by the name Black Socrates, so I consider what we do here the Socratic method. We ask the right questions to get to the right answers. And so in asking the question, how to scale a black business, first question I always ask my guests is just, what was your first thought when I said, hey, this is the discussion question, the initial thought, if you can recall, uh, you know, what you thought when I first asked you to come on as a guest? Well, the first um, my initial thought was, we need to, damn, this is a great conversation. Um, because as black business owners, the, the, what we normally think about is starting a business. And then that's it. But not actually how to sustain the business and then grow the business and then scale it. Because there's three different pieces to it. So when you first brought it to me, I was like, this is going to be a great conversation. Because a lot of black businesses, uh, we start businesses and then we get stuck in the day-to-day operations of the business and they don't ever get to grow or scale or become Fortune 500 companies or become million-dollar businesses. So I was like, this is going to be a good conversation. Can I say something else, though? Um, when you were yeah, talking please. About Go ahead, Corey. I just want to just because a, a lot of times people get lost in the word mogul because they think Jay-Z, they think uh, Steve Jobs, they think mm-hmm. Oprah, and they try to compare themselves to those individuals where they are today, not realizing that. A question that I ask people all the time, what came first, Op- the mogul or Oprah? And mogul, Oprah was a mogul before she started giving away cars because it was her mindset. It was her tenacity. It was how she worked. It was her desire to, to be successful and fulfill her goal. That work and that integrity and that tenacity is what gave her the power and the influence to become the mogul that you see today, which is where the, the money comes in. But the, but the mindset, the tenacity, the desire for excellence, that starts, that mogul piece, that starts long before your money gets here. So when I talk to people, especially in our community, because they get lost in the word, it's really just about a person of power and, and excellence and influence. If you operate like that, if you can create a legacy like that for your family, then the power comes, then the money comes, then the fame comes if that's what you're looking for. But it's really just about changing your mindset, how you live, how you think, what you do, uh, what, what you're uh, pursuing. That's really what the mogul piece of it is all about. So when you put that into training, it's just, you know, it's, it's helping us as a community to live better, to think better, to operate better, to think about what we're giving to the next generation, to think about our legacy, to think about what we're transferring. So you can be a mogul mom, a mogul uh, father, a mogul student, a mogul employee. It's just being excellent in whatever it is that you're doing and whatever it is you're touching and then training yourself to do that every day. Nah, I love it. And, you know, we always say here at the, on the Ms. Dallal Talk Show, if you think right, you act right. And so, yes, you yeah. definitely have to get that thinking correctly before you actually put into action and receive, the, in a sense, the benefits. And as much as social media is a beautiful thing, as you said, sometimes you can get caught looking at other people's lives, as you said, the Jay-Zs and the Oprahs, who, you know, who I have um, – admiration for or whatever, but sometimes that admiration is you're kind of looking at the end game and not, again, paying attention to what steps were needed, and that's what you help people with, so that's a beautiful thing. Um, but we also talked about, again, you thought this, well you, well, you said when you first thought about this topic, your thought was, 
hey, this is another level of a discussion we need to have because typically people are just getting into the starting of businesses. So I wanted to point out a couple of stats that we put in the promotions just to kind of give a backdrop. Um, just to, to really people really help people understand how much we need this conversation. Um, in particular, us as African Americans, just to make a slight comparison, just to give a perspective of where we're at, we're 50 percent more likely to start a business, for example, than our than our white counterparts per se. Uh, but unfortunately, our businesses fail at a greater rate, generally speaking. Now, the reality is, most businesses in America fail. Like that's just keeping it, you know, 100 percent honest. Um, only so, for example, I looked up some um, the study from the Ewan Marion Kaufman study that just said that a for all new businesses, four years later, only 20% of those will be, on average will still be in business, and that equates, generally speaking, at any given point to about 1.7 million businesses. That if we all started to all of us started our business today, four years later, 1.7 million that have started businesses four years later will still be in business. And the reality is when we talk about today's topic, the reality is when you talk about scaling, only 1% of those 1.7 million, that's, that's, that's the entire U.S. population, would actually scale to a huge company per se of 100 or more employees. Out of that number, which is 32, about 3,200, only 32% of those will be black-owned. Again, so most companies have trouble with this, this morning's discussion, but at the same time, as you said, fighting to be excellent, excellent. This is a topic that our community needs to have because scaling is how you maintain the business, you know, currently. But it's also how we get into the generational money that you were referring to. So we're up against our first break. When we come back, we're going to break this down even further again, just to give a perspective of where we're at, and then we're going to get into your level of expertise, Renee. Um, with this discussion. For those out there on the line, we will be opening up the phone lines coming out of the break so that we can have you ask your questions of our resident expert business mogul in training, Renee Javette. We'll be right back on how to scale a black business. All I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. The best entrepreneurs that I know get really passionate, not just when they're talking about their product, when they're talking about their customer, how their product solves their needs, is the solution to the problem they've got, that's what gets them excited. That's what turns them on. Why does that make a difference for you? That's what growing is all about, selling more of what you've built to an expanding customer set at an ever-increasing rate. I'll give you three examples. Nike. Of course, they've made their brand around the elite athletes, but they're really about empowering you and me. All of their product development is around us. Starbucks. They're not just selling us coffee. They're giving us a sense of community. The free Wi-Fi, the music, it's all about being part of that Starbucks family. And another example, Southwest. 
Not only are they selling you discount tickets, they're also one of the most reliable airlines, certainly in my experience, and they make the ride quirky and fun. Making the customer number one and everything you do from now on is going to be the key to successful scaling. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. This morning's special guest, Renee Javet, founder of Mogul and Training Membership. We just heard a cut, and we're thinking big this morning as you hear the cut talking about major companies, big companies, so whatever level you're at, and as Renee just so beautifully explained before the break, you could be a mogul at any level, mogul or mogul mother, mogul student. So the concept here is mindset, but, again, the idea is growth. Again, as she, beautiful, as she mentioned before, we always talk about starting business, but here's the conversation for, in a sense, how to expand. So I don't know if you heard caught a little bit of that cut. Um, maybe if there was anything in that cut that you want to point out, um, just to kind of mention again, as I, as I heard that cut, is the idea of how to think about the customer. As, as the cut said, people get caught up in their product and having the best product or whatever, but when it comes to scalability, you, you really have to think and almost get in the customer's mind from what I gathered from that from that cut, and I want to hear your extra thoughts on that cut, if, if you will, Queen, but thank you for being with us again. No problem. Thank you so much. And let me say this. Um, I kind of think, so let me say I agree with, with with that cut piece with regards to getting in your customer's minds for the scalability piece, but I want to take it a step back. And that we, I don't think we think about from the black perspective, even before we talk about scaling a business, it's the type of business that we're setting up. Um, if you're starting a hair salon or a barbecue restaurant or a you know so, and, and this is not a mean or disrespectful thing but we're supposed to have an honest conversation if you're starting one of the Absolutely. more traditional black businesses those types of businesses are hard to scale um so what she's talking about thinking about the customer as black people we need to be thinking about our end game our end customer what are what are areas of technology or business that can be scaled what's going to be happening in 20 years 30 years 40 years 50 years what do people need a hundred years from now that we can start a business and today that we can pass on through our family for generations for legacy that can be scaled. It's hard to scale some of our businesses right now when you think about it from a customer's perspective because they're smaller and there's a whole bunch of barbecue shops and there's a whole bunch of hair shops and there's a whole bunch of candle shops and there's a whole bunch of mm-hmm. essential oils that we do in our community. When you go to these to the, like the little black marketplaces, it's the same stuff. So how do you scale something that's, I don't want to say minuscule, because that's not the right word, but that is only applicable to our community. So We never use the word minuscule, but let me just throw this in. But to a certain extent, somewhat saturated. Um, again, we jump go. into them to a certain extent because there's a, sometimes we may, we may think of it as a competitive advantage since that's something that we look for, need, it's, a, it's, a, it's demand. So it's understandable why we often go into these, in a sense, saturated markets. I think that's just kind of how we would refer to it, you know, in a sense. But as you, as you said, when you start thinking legacy and the idea of being around for a long time, I think you're smartly seeing us in the right direction. Sorry to cut you off, Queen. Go ahead. No, you're right, and thank you. I know minuscule wasn't the right word. Saturated is a much better word, and people can relate to that, and I think that that's absolutely correct. So now to bring that to her cut, 
when you start thinking about your end customer, yeah, now you start talking about scalability. What does my customer need? Um, what, what can I sell them today that they're going to come back and need again in a month? Or what can I sell them today that they're going to need annually? Or what can I, you know what I mean? When you start thinking about scalability, that's what you're thinking about. You're not thinking about how can I just get this quick $50 right now? How can I get this $100 right now? You're thinking about how can I make money off of this customer repeatedly? How can I grow with this customer? What other products can I introduce that they can buy? How, you know, that's when you start thinking about growth and scaling. But a lot of times we're thinking about, um, you know, this sale right now, get this money right here. So you do have to think about your customer, but not just right now, but in a year, in three years, in five years, in seven years. No, it makes sense. I know um, a quick way of saying what, you, what you're talking about, at least, again, it's a concept that I've heard, and plenty of people have probably heard it, but just the idea of, for the most part, certain products, you can, not, you can kind of only sell it once, if, if that kind of makes sense. Like, in a sense, that, that gets into that, as you said, that, that, that right now perspective, whereas if you're thinking scalability to a certain extent, it has to be something, in a sense, repeatable. Is that, is, I don't know if that's a correct word in business or whatever, but repeatable is how you get, a, in a sense, a customer base, customer loyalty, and, 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 and sometimes I've even made this mistake with the Mineral Law Community Club is you, you go after new customers to the extent that you don't cover your loyal customers enough with your business. And so, believe it or not, you fail to scale because your loyal customers are who give you the best marketing of all, which is word of mouth. Again, this is just me outside looking in, trying to figure out business for myself and needing this expert training from you as well, but definitely would love to hear in a sense, your thought about that. And I think you're kind of saying it already, but it's just the concept of repeatable business plays a huge issue in being able to scale, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the, the instead of repeatable, let's use reoccurring. That's like the, the buzzword right now. Everybody wants go. reoccurring revenue, reoccurring revenue. Um, but I would ask you this. I know what you're saying. This is something that you only buy once, but I want us to think outside of that box because if you really think about it, the only thing you're probably buying once is like a hip replacement because you're going to, a lot of times you're going to buy a house maybe twice. You're going to buy a car more than once. Um, when you even, even when you think about things you're only going to buy one time, like, like, like what really do you only buy once? You're going to buy furniture more than once. You're probably going to buy a refrigerator more than once. And so when you start thinking about scalability, you think, you're thinking about customer service. You're thinking about that connection. You're thinking about that touch point with that person. You're thinking about TOMA, which is T-O-M-A, top of mind awareness. So I, I want us to think bigger than I'm only going to buy sell to this customer one time. So when you think about one time, if I'm only going to sell them furniture one time, what's a complementary product that I can create to sell them something different so that I get them to return so that they're my customer more than one time? You, you, you see what I'm saying? You see where right. I'm going with that? Like, no, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. No, absolutely. I okay. mean, what you just said is kind of, I'm glad, you know, in a sense, I'm glad I said it in a sense that that's the expansion. We actually got a caller that wants to get in. For all those out there listening, if you're on the phone line right now, you do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak or ask a question of um, Renee, if you would like. Um, if you're online, the number to get in is 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You will need to press one to let us know you want to speak. All right, let's go to our caller. See what they have for us. 
Area code nine one six last three two five seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Or if you have a question for late for the May, perfect. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Tamika, and I'm calling from California. How are you doing, you guys? Hey, Queen. Okay, Queen. Yes, yeah, I got you all. Absolutely, absolutely. If you are a longtime listener of the Mitch Dialogue Talk Show, this is Tamika Peoples. She is. An amazing queen, and then I will say it real quickly so we can keep this thing moving. Um, I don't know if I've even mentioned Tamika to you, but she's somebody you definitely need to know. This sister is set to be become the first black-owned apparel manufacturer in the country since nine. Was it nineteen? Oh, it's the year mixed up. Nineteen oh eight or nineteen oh four, Tamika? What year is it? Nineteen oh four. Nineteen oh four. Um, and. I guess what you guys are talking about really resonates with me. Um, I started my, my path in um, business and business ownership, really kind of carving out my niche client. My niche client was the government, right? I did a lot of government contract work. And in this space, you know, teaming and subcontract relationships is huge. It's definitely a way how you scale your business. But when I um, heard, heard the uh, lady speak about how you get repeat customers, I really – I, I love the, the thought of that and the process of that because you're right. No, no one buys an item once. Um, and I've, I've listened to a lot of people talk about how do you get those reoccurring customers. Sometimes your reoccurring customer might be a business. You know, do you have a product that um, another business could uh, use to improve their current product and grow their current market cap? And so you're right. We need to really think outside of the box with respect to who's our customer. And how do we create reoccurring customers? And sometimes your reoccurring customer is another business. Um, I've found in, in, in both spaces that that's sometimes and mostly the case. So um, those are just my thoughts and some of the things I've thought, thought about, especially reading the article, Montoya, that you shared, is your repeat customers are really a, a, a multitude of people. And, yes, it's the first customer using your product, but it might be the entity making the product that needs to improve upon their product so that they can scale to more customers. Now, I love it. Uh, real quick, um, just, just to kind of check, um, Lene, were you able to hear Tamika clearly? Just checking. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Queen, how are you? Okay. I'm I'm well, Renee. I'm well. Thank you so much. It's excellent points. I'm so sorry that I'm a bit late, but uh, I I love the. Oh no, you're fine. You know we're family. No, no. I know you're on the road. You're busy this morning, so I'm glad you're able to get in. We're going to actually keep Tamika on with us, Renee. Uh, for she'll be here with us for a short period, so we're going to take advantage of her knowledge base. And for anybody out there listening, um, again, I just kind of mentioned what she's set to do, um, but as she just mentioned, even that idea of understanding government contracting is and, and that, that, that aspect. Oh, I think if you're if I'm saying this correctly, Tamika, you can correct me. But I think you're also talking about in a sense the business to business model. I know for me here in Atlanta, always in a sense speaking economic empowerment and talking to people, as Renee mentioned in the very beginning, people always are talking about starting businesses. I don't meet a lot of people who are who are considering business to business that that business to business model and that's a, a, a definite definite area where if you're successful, tell me if I'm wrong, but scalability is quite possible because a lot of times business to business is already in a sense mass it's basically mass mass production because typically businesses order a lot of what they need if that makes sense. To me. If you could just kinda speak to that knowing that that's your background and, again, I think you're saying it already, but I just wanted to kind of reiterate that, if that makes sense. 
for instance, yes. So when I when I'm, I have to speak from a government background perspective, right? So when I think about contracting in a contracting state, what you see is a large a, a large number of prime companies, and that's what we call large companies in this space. But they have a very particular requirement, right, to work with small, diverse businesses, which means they have a diversity supplier program. You could work with them from an individual, or maybe you have two to three people within your company, and you want to subcontract to them and work on a larger project. Now, for them, it behooves them to work with you because most of these uh, contracts are set aside, right, which means they have to have minority small businesses within the entire, um, uh, they do a request for proposal, but, but when they do the bid, they have to show that they're using a certain percentage of small business within that larger proposal. So because, you know, at least in the government contract space, they've recognized this as a problem, there's been a huge and dramatic shift towards, hey, well, we need to make sure that there's a percentage of this work that goes to small businesses. So this this idea of position yourself to you know obviously you know your your niche market right your 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 specialty might be IT right and you might be very good uh, security analyst or what have you but this you you might need to work with AT and T who has nationwide contracts excuse me global contracts by which for you to work on right and so now you become a supplier to them and it becomes this mutually beneficial relationship. And so the, your customer really were two people, the government client and AT&T, right? So I you know, drop names, but I'm just, that just kind of gives you a sense of how you might need to look at your skill set and who your, who your customer is and how you can provide, you know, provide a couple of options for yourself to get into that market space. No, I love it. And this is what I found, again, in some of the discussions here in Atlanta, going to these different business meetings, again, just trying to, you know, get the information to bring to the people. What I found, Tamika, is even for people that, for example, they've been in the business for a while, they've kind of, in a sense, survived the four- or five-year mark. They've stayed in that 20%. they stayed in business. And, and they've, in a sense, been, been able to sustain, them to a, sustain themselves to a certain extent, but growth is always still something that is constant and still an issue. What, what, and I want both of you to speak to this, but what happens in getting into the space that you speak of, again, the set-asides are there, uh, but there are, unfortunately there are often examples of where uh, certain contracts is kind of, in a sense, hard to find some of those um, minority-owned businesses, you know, just kind of using that term because the set-asides can be for women-owned, it can be for black-owned, but specifically for our community, it comes down quite often, and I think this is an issue of scalability. Y'all both speak to this, but to me, you can start, is the dotting of the I's and the crossing of the T's often is what keeps us from getting basically a ready-made set-aside if you just cross the I's and dot the T's. Again, this is not downing anyone. It's just part of how to scale, if you could speak to that. Because, again, I've had friends who say that's sometimes the issue is literally just following the, the, the directions can get you the contract. In some cases, I'm not trying to make it easier than it is, but often sure. that's the, the fearful part that we, in a sense, have trouble with, so sometimes we don't even go for those contracts, at least from what I've seen here in Atlanta. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I tend to agree, right? Some of it comes down to certification and the process, the time frame to get through those certifications. Um, 
And, and, and then the second piece to that is, hey, well, how do we respond to this RFP? Some 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 individuals or companies, since most of the time you're one, two off uh, company, uh, I've never written a, a RFP response, right? I don't know how to respond to the particular questions that they're asking in order for me to position my company to, to win this bid. And so that's kind of where I think about how you leverage uh, services and companies that are out there that can get you through some of these processes. One, right, being able to certify. Um, where are you going to get the minority business enterprise certification? Do they handle other certifications? Um, where, um, and what's that time frame by which to get that, right? Because what people will find is you'll get there, you'll, you'll want to apply, but um, if you, let's say you get through all the rounds, you get the RFP in, they're going to check on the back end, whether or not you have those things in place, because then they can't technically say they've awarded it and you have that uh, you have that certification, right? So it's very important that you understand those processes and maybe work with organizations or entities that can help you get through the processes that you don't understand uh, more quickly, right? And 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 another thing that I think might be important to look into is uh, staffing agencies. Right, so there may be times where you're like, "Oh my goodness, this job is going to require a five to six person team." Now we could write the proposal; it might be stellar, but how am I going to staff that? I'm one person deep. Well, then you have to look at who are the staffing agencies that are in my field that I know that I can get those that quality of employee that, to get, mm-hmm. provide that quality of service and for us to meet the bid. So I think it it just requires us to be a little more. Um, do our due diligence in a more concrete manner to understand what it's going to take to to get into that space. Now, certification might take six months where you get your certificate, but it, it, if you go through the process and work with companies and teams, that that's their specialty, right? Because you're not going to be the accountant for your own firm. Maybe you maybe you start that way, but you get an account, you get a CPA. So I I think it's really important for us to leverage the the systems and organizations out there that are in place to help you get to that next level. Let me add to uh, great point. Yeah, great point. But, yeah, great point. We're actually going to a quick break, so if y'all will. Yeah, let me, let me, so sorry about that, Queen. Let me go to this quick break, and we'll come to your thoughts and coming out of the break, and we'll open up the phone lines as well. Listen to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think we'll be right back. How to scale a black business. All I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. grow over time, growth can take different forms. Some of the ways we talk about it are inorganic or organic growth. Organic growth is the core growth you think of when we first talk about it. Hiring more people, continuing to broaden my product set, doing the kinds of things that you normally do with the materials you have in front of me. 
So that's an investment in your core growth. That's organic. Then you have inorganic growth. It may mean acquiring the like shop across town, and we're now a unit. We're going to centralize processing. We're going to share our hiring and firing. We're going to share advertising. If you're a small company just starting out, an acquisition is a pretty big investment. As you begin to scale, get confident, understand how you execute and how to get successful, beginning to consider acquisitions can be an incredibly efficient way to grow. Rather than building something from scratch, I can pick up something that's already built. Similarly, companies acquire as they want to grow geographically. I can be more effective across the globe when I pick up like companies that are already doing business in Denmark, that are already doing business in Asia as a way to go to market quickly. So acquisitions, that inorganic growth, can be a really nice complement to your organic growth as you really go on to scale and establish market leadership. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. Special guest on this morning discussion, how to scale a black business. Renee Javette, mogul in training, as well as Tamika Peoples. Thank you all both for being on. Renee, I think you were wanting to respond or, or in, <clears throat> um, after Tamika. So go ahead, Queen. Go ahead and get your thoughts. Yeah, I really wanted to hit on some of the really good stuff that Tamika said, um, especially with regards to what we were talking about, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. We're talking about scaling. A lot of times um, we can't get ready to, to go and submit an RFP or go to deal with the government contracts or go to deal with the corporate contracts because we're looking at growth instead of scale. So to Tamika's point, when you're growing and you're looking at increasing your revenue, you're looking at increasing your clients. When you're scaling, you're looking about you're thinking about your staffing needs, your business efficiencies, your processes. You're putting yourself in a position to actually go and take on a government contract or a corporate contract. But I wanted to add to what she was saying is there are major corporations in your city. Here where I'm at in Phoenix, one of them is called SRP, which is our electric company, right? They actually have a minority supplier development program where they open up and solicit minority-owned businesses to come in so that they can develop them and get them ready to be a supplier. So there are major corporations that I recognize and identify that your business is not up to par or not up to scale to work with us. We need to go out and we need to be working with minority-owned business because diversifying and diversification is huge in corporate America. So they know they need to come out here and work with these businesses, but a lot of the minority-owned businesses are not properly um, organized or ready or positioned to come and work with them. So they actually have programs where you can come in and they will teach you how to work with them and put you on their uh, minority supplier list so that they can work with you. Now, the thing about that is you, when I went in there, I, I was so amazed at the types of, of businesses that can do it. So like Tamika said, she's in apparel business. So these, these major corporations are looking at apparel companies. They're looking at paper companies, IT, phones, uh, cleaning companies, customer service companies companies, travel companies, literally anything that they can outsource to a minority-owned business. But you have to have certain certifications. You have There are certain things that they need, but if you don't have them, there some companies will train you. They will give you, um, bring you in, add you to their preferred wow. supplier list, do business with you. So it's, one, it's something that black-owned businesses should definitely be looking at in their community to see if they can be a part of one of these major, excuse me, major corporations. In fact, the minority no, development centers I, in – oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I was no, no, you're so fine. Go ahead. Excited no, no, yeah, please go ahead. I, I just, just no, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> There's a minority development centers in, in, in most major cities that actually have these relationships, like you said, Madeira, with, with these companies to help create that pipeline, right? So 
what Jim's yeah. starting to notice is just that is we we say we we want to work with our with these companies. However, they're not in a position. How do we get? How do we one attract them and begin to work with them? How do we? How do we? It's, it's essentially they're being a mentor. And they call these sometimes they call these things mentor protege programs. I know the the larger companies on the IT side. That's the only program that they really try to focus on is mentor proteges because they they really need to nurture you and make sure that you're in a position to work with them because when you're working with them, they're talking about major omnibus contracts, right? The twenty, mm-hmm. thirty million dollar five year contracts, and they they don't they can't. They can't take this risk that the government's going to question their capability to do the job, right? So there are so many different levels to this, but I definitely would say start with with the minority development centers in your communities and start becoming part of these programs because if you're not there, you can get there. And there's, a, you know, especially in the government contract space, I just think there's a lot of opportunity. And in the small to medium, to teaming, to subcontract space, there's opportunity. And if you want to stay an individual freelancer, there's opportunities there, right? It's just, it's about preparing yourself and your company to do the type of work that you plan on doing and preparing it the right way. And and here's the reality when we talk about this government contracting space. Quite often, again, and this is just kind of, now I'm going to kind of narrow it down to perspective when it comes to us being in business as a community. Reality is for for the thoughts that we have about, in a sense, how our community does business in comparison to maybe other groups, again, not to do that over and over on the show, but the reality is we're typically unaware of how much money government contracting fuels these other ethnic groups and race, you know what I mean, from the from the standpoint that, again, we're, we're competing without going for that money and realizing that often government contract money is how a business goes from mom and pop to being a known entity because they were able to get access to a couple of major contracts. And they themselves went through that very, through those very even mentoring process because at the end of the day, when your community is strong with business, in a sense, it requires, you know, less help from the government, per se. So there's a return on investment in going after these things. Again, that's the perspective, again, listening to both of you as experts, that, you know, just kind of keep in mind that often we may look down on us, in a sense, our community, per se, and without realizing that's the how. Quite often, that is the how. What are y'all thoughts on just, you know, again, that perspective on, Realizing, let me say this real quick too, as well. And when we had when we had you on before with Dwayne Drawn, remember he 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 gave a perspective. He says the reality for our community versus looking at you know we're behind in business or we don't do this again. These just one of those negative thoughts or out there. He said the reality is we started this race late, so in a sense we shouldn't look down. But here's the things we need to do, and that's what we're doing today is kind of keeping that in perspective why we need to get into these spaces that y'all are talking about because typically that's how we're being, quote, unquote, outran if you want to look at it that way. Go ahead, um, Queen. I mean, it it goes back to what I I was saying a minute ago um, and to what Tamika's saying right here. We're not in the right spaces. So we're we're it's like we get into the race and we're just happy to be in the race. We're just happy to have a business. So we're not taking the time to think about what 
type of business we're starting? Is this business scalable? Can I, what kind of clients or customers can I get? Can I sell this to the government? Can I sell this to corporations? We're not thinking on that scale, pun, pun intended, so, that, so then we can't scale. Um, so when you start thinking about getting into these other these other um, industries, that's really where the real money is at. And, and I say that that, but let me say this: even if you already have a business, if you already have a business, I would say figure out how to tweak it so that you can make that business scalable. Um, if you have a hair shop, you know, can, can you get a contract with the? And this is way I don't even know if this is possible. Can you get a contract with the military? Can you get a contract with people? You know, a corporation or business that has people flying into that corporate office. Office, and you'll get a contract where you'll offer your hair services to them. I mean, you have to really think outside the box about scaling your business to make it applicable because mm-hmm. everybody wants to do business with black people. Everybody wants to do business with minorities. How can you make your business uh, the business that these corporations and government want to work with? Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Great point. I, I just think um, the more business to business and, and, and corporate scalability, we start to think about the better. You know, I was actually l- listening to, and I know this is going to be a small detour, but just to give you a, a kind of a paint the picture of how holistic you can start to be about where you really fit in. Um, they were talking about uh, patenting a, a a cup holder for coffee cups back in, I mean, it was many years ago, right? But that patent is now, right, um, usable for companies like uh, Starbucks, and it, it, they sold it. This this individual ended up selling that patent to 3M and had licensed the patent out. So just if, in my mind, when I hear about us entering the, the business sector, we need to be thinking on all fronts, not just individual companies, but how are we making ourselves useful for multiple type of entities. And if you start to tease those out, that's where you're going to find the growth and scale. It, it can't just be, we, we have, to, I'm telling you, like even our corner stores, right, are thinking about how do we make them better, right? The 7-Elevens of the world are coming up with how do we use our 7-Eleven for a tech center because they're, they're located in most of these dense, you know, dense communities that we say we want to mm-hmm. be involved in. You know, there's there's so many different options. I just think it just it would behoove us to sit down and tease those out for each one of our businesses and then start to pick one or two of those paths to pursue. Yeah, if you're out there listening and want to have a question for Tamika or Lene, please um, give, you know, hit the number one if you're on the phone line. If you're listening online, 646-787-1691. And I'll take it to, all the way back to this point when we're saying, hey, we need to think about these things. Well, I'll say this is what, for example, for example, this show serves that purpose in, in a sense, placing the seed on how to expand the thinking because we both, all of us understand, and I get caught up in, in what's right in front of me as well, we understand, again, when we talk about a 20% success rate in starting a business and, and maintaining one. So most people that start do not, you know, don't make it. So it, it, it's, it's normal. Again, it's not necessarily okay because we, we got to sustain this thing. We got to get, get some generational money, but it's, it's normal to not think about the things that we're talking about. So I would say to both of you that even just having this conversation, as you mentioned in the beginning that, Hey, we're talking past the starting of a business that this, 
actually could just even be the thought process, hey, let me go look into this because I heard Renee say it, I heard Tamika say it. Because, again, not abnormal to not, you know, to only be focused on the bottom line with what you understand. Uh, I've, I've heard this comment before, and I want to hear, hear y'all thoughts on it real quick. Well, actually, let me go to a break and we'll come back to it. But the comment that quite often, even in us starting business, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're 50% more likely to start a business than than whites, for example. Well, quite often what's happening for us is we are great technicians, but not necessarily busy, business savvy or understand all of these spaces that we could actually be in. Um, because I mentioned it a few seconds ago when we talk about this contracting, even here in Atlanta, there are counties, maybe not necessarily in the city of Atlanta, but some of the counties or suburbs right outside of Atlanta where there's still plenty of African Americans or they make up even sometimes the majority of those counties or municipalities. And there are still those set aside that you mentioned because they still go untouched. And it's literally because the people that are in those industries are sometimes fearful, don't know how to get into the space, have not heard, hey, there's somebody that can train you up. So somebody's in that space, y'all just gave them the information, oh, let me go look into how I can be trained to, to get that contract. Because if I don't know that, I'm just going to be trying to survive daily and make my bottom line and not even go after those contracts. So, again, I just think this show, in a sense, is serving that purpose. All right, we are up against the break when we come back. Y'all, we'll listen to this cut as well. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on the cut coming out of this break. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. In many cases, growth is an imperative. And there's a reason why companies with little proprietary technology but a great idea, like Airbnb or Uber, really have to scale quickly. They realize that within the first months, certainly year, everyone around the world will understand how exciting this is, and if they don't get there first, somebody else will. And that's why there's an Amazon of China instead of Amazon in China. You have to keep up because you don't want to get left behind in, in a market you created. A good example of this is Pete's versus Starbucks. Pete started in 1968 in Berkeley uh, with Alfred Pete, and it's now famous, of course, for its coffee. Three years later, some of his employees moved from Berkeley to Seattle, 
and Alfred Pete even helped them think about how to roast coffee. The Starbucks team, though, had a different vision for growth. They really saw the sense of community, how big they could be. And you fast forward, Pete's today is 200 stores. They sold in 2012 for a billion dollars. That's a good amount to a company in Germany. Well, Starbucks, 22,000 stores, and they're worth $84 billion. And the lesson is, being first doesn't always mean you'll be the winner. You need to stay ahead of the race. Uh-huh. Welcome back to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. This morning's discussion question, how to scale a black business. A special guest, the major vet founder of Mobile and Training, as well as Tamika Peoples. Thank you, both of you, Queens, for being on. You may I'm very interested in your thoughts in the cut that you just heard, and if I could just ask you, in, in reference, again, you've been in business for a long time, but uh, have you had an, a personal experience similar to what we just heard in the cut? And, again, I just want to bring it down to those who are being introduced to the concept of growth, to the, growth, the concept of scaling. If you could just maybe even give a personal experience of how that cut might even relate to something you've experienced in your own journey as a businesswoman. You know, first of all, that was a great uh, cut. That was a great example, and the the, the messaging was absolutely perfect. Um, me personally, I cannot give you a personal one, but I can give you some examples okay. of you know places things that I've seen, places where I've seen this. Right. So you think about if you think about okay. anything in the world, but especially from in my perspective with regards to coaching, with what I do, right. Um, uh, there's a, there's a million coaches. So some of these people you guys may or may not know, but you have a Marie Forleo, you have a Chanel Cooper Sykes, you have um, there's just uh, I can't think of the lady's name. I can see her face right now. Glam Glambition, um, and there are multiple different coaches and, and, and individuals that have gotten there first, if you will. But somebody will come up behind them and make twice as much money. And I don't know if you guys have heard of Chanel Cooper Sykes, but she has a million followers. She makes like $15 million a year. But she's not, you know, Tony Robinson. She's not making, you know, billions of dollars. But, you know, to the mm-hmm. to the videos, to the clip's point, a lot of times people worry about being the first person to do something instead of being the person who does it the best or being the person who can scale it or being the person that can get into many of homes. And with what we do as entrepreneurs, the world is literally open. The world is literally ours. I still come across today people that I have never, ever heard of, never heard of, never crossed before, just randomly come across them on social media. They have 50, 60, 70,000 followers. They're making $5 million. They're increasing their market share. They're increasing their, their value, their money, whatever the case might be. And they weren't necessarily the, the first person to do it, but they figured out how to and I don't, I don't even know if manipulate is the right word, but utilize their, their market and their influence to scale their own business. So by not looking at what somebody else is doing, but really focusing on what you're doing and how you're going to do it the best and how you're going to add value and how, what you're going to bring uh, to your client, to your audience, to your particular market share, yo, that, I was about to say, yo, yo, that, <laughs> that offers so much value. We don't always think about that because we're so worried about, it has to be me, and I have to be first, and I have to be the person to deliver it instead of how can I be the best person to deliver it? How can I scale what I'm delivering? How can I offer this and others? And this, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm just going to put, it, put a pin in it and say it. One of the things I hear when I talk to black home business owners, especially with what I do, is if, if it's a store in, let's say, Chicago, for example, and I'm like, well, how do people find out about your business if they're in Arizona? Well, you know, they'd have to be in Chicago. No, they don't. Like, we live in a global market. 
Why are you only worried about selling mm-hmm. to people in Chicago? You're not ever going to grow and scale if you're only worried about selling people in Chicago. I need to know about your store mm-hmm. in Arizona. I need somebody in D.C. In DC and California, Atlanta, they need to know about your store. So when we start talking about scaling and getting people to know us, we've got to stop thinking so small and thinking that our product is only applicable or can help and support mm-hmm. these people right here in Chicago because I travel. I need to know about your business so that when I come to Chicago, I can do business with you. And when we think about growth and scale, we don't think that big. We just think about mm-hmm. this right here, right now. Now, it makes sense. Tamika, if you will, I think this is a perfect opportunity uh, to share with those who haven't heard you on the show before what it is that you're particularly doing because you're starting out, in my opinion, you're, you're starting out with the concept of how to go big. Like you're starting with going big. So if you could kind of speak to what you're doing so people can really understand the level of expertise that we have on this morning. We have a lot of people out there on the phone line. Uh, obviously, y'all are enjoying what y'all are hearing. If y'all have any questions for these experts, please take advantage of it. Um, go ahead, Queen. Okay. Great points, Renee. Definitely needing to think bigger. This is a global world, right? I mean, there's there's opportunities to seek um, even relationships internationally. So I think making sure that we understand that because of the Internet, you even if you have a brick and mortar in your neighborhood block store, you're actually an inter- – you should be thinking of yourself as an international, you know, global store because that is your reach. So I, I really love your points there, Renee. Thank you so much for that. Um, I don't know – I. You know, I don't really know if I want to get into everything that I'm doing, but I'll tell you what, I I look at the apparel market space and the uh, merchandise apparel market space, business to business is a $7.4 trillion industry. Um, so that means textile, textile manufacturing is going nowhere. Um, companies, brands, um, large and small neat product, um, and the majority of that product starts in apparel. And so when I looked at this space, obviously coming from and where I was coming from, I was looking at it for a, from a perspective of where are the black-owned product makers in this space, and there wasn't any. And so because I understood <laughs> the, the need, me, my desire as a person who wanted to consciously and intentionally spend my dollars a particular way and I could not find anyone to do that with, you know, I, I started – this concept and this approach of apparel manufacturing company from that space, right? But when I, like you said, I'm starting from looking at this as a, it's a global company, right? It has an opportunity to be a global company. And there's partners in this space that, that make it very, not just inviting to, to want to go down this path, but understanding that we need to be in this path. I just I don't want to continue to be the brand that says, hey, buy black, but I have a Gilding shirt on, right, or I have a Hanes shirt on with, you know, we know where their factories are and kind of sometimes what that, what that tail end looks like. So, yes, I started it from a looking at it from a need, but understanding that that, that was a global market <clears throat> and, I, and I needed to be prepared to try to build the company in that way. Um, and, and just from a, from a personal perspective and trying to touch back on trying to stay ahead of the, stay ahead of the game or being first and then taking that initiative to see where you can take that, right? I, I can give a, at least a personal perspective of how, what that looked like for me, right? Um, taking that first step and becoming an entrepreneur was about cutting out 
in my in my head, right? It was about cutting out that minimum, understanding that I, you know because I was coming from a, a a certain background in relationship with government work, on top of the fact that I had a very particular niche set, I said, hey is there an opportunity for me to have my own company in this space, right? And I'm sure I wasn't the first to do that. There were, two, there were several people in, as we were leaving and exiting and getting on with companies that, that were thinking the same thing. I know that because we were talking about it. And, you know, so I, I took the initiative to say, hey, even though I'm a technician, which I think I, I heard you um, Montoya speak mm-hmm. about, hey, some of us are these really specialists and technicians, and we're just we, – we no longer want to have a boss. But just believe me, you're always going to have a boss. <laughs> the market is going to be one of it. Mm-hmm. But when you get into that space, there's opportunities to, to start where you're at and figure out, okay, I might just be taking on this immediate line of work and figuring out how to be, I don't know, let's say the subcontractor in the space, but doing it in such a way that now in the next series or next round you've you've learned enough to now you're competing for those lines of work um and so that's kind of where i started is i i i took the approach of i'm i may be the technician i may be highly sought after but i'm going to carve out my my niche in this space and the next time the opportunity mm-hmm. comes because there's always a next time in, in contracting right there's always a compete i'm going to win the line of work and so um, being first was, was scary, right? And I know that there are other people thinking mm-hmm. about it, at least in my circle, but figuring out not how to stay in that very small role of, oh, I'm just going to think about this line of work. No, we were thinking about the next shop and the next division, knowing that it was coming up for competition and there, it, it wasn't just about this line. And then starting that next initiative to, to position my, my, myself, right, the company, to, to, to win the work, right? And so I think you just have to think of yourself as, if you're going to step out there, you have to think of yourself as a global, you're in a global space now. Because of the Internet, you're in a global space. The opportunities are different. Like you said, everyone wants to work with our companies, but we need to put our companies in position to be worked with, worked with, excuse me, and then doing the work to get there. And if that means hiring a consultant, getting with the right coach, uh, you know, bringing on a company to help you do X, that's how you're going to get to that next level. And be in the rooms that other other brands and other companies aren't willing to be in, right? Going to these centers, being you mm-hmm. know, being a part of these programs so you can position yourself. I love it. Let me tell you what, quickly what I heard. We got a couple minutes. You know, a couple of minutes before we go to the top of the hour. We're going to be bringing on another special guest, Social Nina. And if you, you won't have a lot of time with us, I want to hopefully keep you on just for a little bit after the break. Um, um, if you will. But one thing I heard is in particular, and I don't even know if this applies directly to this morning's conversation, but it's just something that I think has to be said because we, are, we know within our community there is this big push for entrepreneurship within the community and how much we think is needed for our own community from an economic empowerment standpoint, from a generational wealth standpoint. But one thing that I heard, and sometimes I think this gets missed in this push for entrepreneurship, is basically – you became a technical expert and went through, in a sense, a long process learning different levels and different, you know, different levels of your industries, in a sense, before you stepped out on your own. But now in stepping out on your own at this point, you are well-equipped 
to do all of this because you, in a sense, quote, you were, you did it specifically for the government. So I'm saying this in a sense for those who are pushing for entrepreneurship. You cannot lose sight of becoming an expert, even if it is going to learn it with another company for 10 years, for 15 years, again, to be you carved out your own space. And there's a lot of people that want to do that, but just don't lose sight of sometimes even the education, the certification that is necessary in this kind of long-term thinking that sometimes, you know, people will even go as far as a job ain't anything. Well, no, a job could be the foundation for having a sister like to be good people who who set out to be our first black owned manufacturer, um, you know, pretty soon here. And had she not traveled that personal path, gotten the expertise, gotten the education, hadn't done that for a number of years, we would still be without that to market, if I could say that. We're actually at the top of the hour. We're gonna go play a quick song from one of our sponsors, um, Square Business Entertainment, as you heard them mention earlier. I'll throw in a little music for each little show, so if you will, um, get this music and we come back, we'll come back with our special guest, social media, and for the caller that wants to get in, we'll get you in as well. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Side of You just heard the latest cut from Square Business Entertainment. I'm thrown by Taylor Pace. Well runs drive. They drop a new cut every 30 days. I'm enjoying having them as the sponsor. They're bringing us this new real R&B. This morning's discussion question, how to scale a black business. We have on another special guest with us this morning to help us with this topic this morning. Um, if you will. Mm-hmm. Get it pulled up. Social Nina, how you doing this morning, Queen? Thank you for being with us as you are on with a good friend of yours, Renee Javette, on the line with us as well as Tamika People. She'll be with us just for a short period. But thank you, Queen, for being on with us. If you will, say hello to all the truth seekers and give a little bit of your background as we continue this morning's discussion. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? And hey, Lene, I was so excited when I found out we were going to be on together. So I know. can't wait to, to get started. <laughs> So for those of you, and hey, Tamika, I'm looking forward to having a discussion with you as well. For those of you that are new to me, my name is um, Nina Thomas, but online, um, my brand is Socially Nina, and I am a digital marketing consultant and video marketing strategist. So um, I've been in these internet streets for a while and trying to, you know, like I've been listening to the 
to the ladies talk about scaling and business and you know, it, it's funny because it's all familiar. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the discussion today. No, actually, absolutely. Thank you for being with us. And I couldn't imagine in 2019 having a how to scale your business without somebody with your level of expertise because everybody's trying to get more followers. Everybody's trying to brand themselves. And I think even business to business, um, some of what you do may be uh, something, again, I'm pushing you could speak to that. Um, and so, well, and just again, I know Tamika's only have a short period with us, so I wanted to bring something that I sent to each of you. Hopefully you were able to take a look at the article uh, that I sent in reference to even how certain cities look. And we've mentioned it already on the show a little bit, but how certain cities, in a sense, look to help specifically small black businesses um, in a sense, stay and scale their business. Like even cities see the value in it. We mentioned that earlier. And so in a particular order, article, I'm sorry, there was a lot said, and we're going to make it short and sweet. So either one of you, if you will, if you could recall, I know May, you had a chance to look at the article. So if you can just tell me anything that stood out and a thought that you had about the particular order. I will put that article up on the Facebook Mental Dialogue page that people hear us speak about it, but I just thought it pointed, on, pointed out some things in addition to everything y'all said this morning that we should be talking about. So any thoughts from you, um, Renee, on that article? I'm going to stick with my stance, on, uh, which was number two, target support in sectors with high demand from large buyers. Um, I can't express that piece enough. Uh, we stay in the in the in the saturated markets. Um, the real money growth opportunities are in those large demand areas, um, and so that that's one of my biggest things. Even when I'm talking to entrepreneurs that are looking to start a new business, what should I do? It's not, and I, and I because this is really geared towards Black people. I'm going to say it this way. Um, as black people, we always think about what are black people going to buy from us instead of thinking about what is the world going to buy from us. When white folks start businesses, they aren't necessarily starting businesses that they like or that they're good at. They're starting businesses that are going to make money. They're starting businesses that they can pass on to their children. They're starting businesses because there's a market and people are buying them. And I don't think that we always think about that in our community. So number two to me spoke volumes, target support in sectors with high demand from large buyers. When you're thinking about starting a business, who's going to buy from you? How long are they going to be able to buy from you? How are you going to be able to scale that? How much are you going to be able to charge? Not just, oh, I'm really good, and I, I not that I'm really good at cooking. I'm going to open up a chicken shack, but can I? How can I turn this chicken shack into a franchise? How can I get this chicken shack in 50 50 states and or make it international? Like that's how we have to be thinking about selling um, black-owned businesses and thinking about legacies and things of that nature. I love it. Tamika, anything that stood out in the article for, for you? Again, I know we don't have you long, so I want to go ahead and get your thoughts. You know, I'm going to have to ditto that. I literally target the support for high demand industries and how you can scale that. Number two okay. stood out to me. Stood out to me, too. It's just, I, I believe, for instance, in the tech space, I see a lot of people gravitating toward tech businesses and trying to get startups in that space. The reason why is because the tech, the tech industry is, is going to be what infused businesses from here until, you know, no one knows when. It's it's literally changing the game, right? And so I, I just think how we can get into those spaces and how we can get support for businesses, especially minority-owned businesses who are entering into those spaces, 
uh, more entrenched in our local communities and coming from a, the, the larger like Ascend 2020 foundations so that we're, we actually have an infrastructure by which to build those tech businesses and to think about scaling them. So number two stood out to me too. Very well said. Absolutely. And Nina, we'll actually, you know, ask you that same question, anything that stood out if you had a chance to look at it. And then we have a caller, too. I want to get to the caller before we let you go so we can just in case the callers have something for you. Um, go ahead, Nina, if you will. So for me, the one that stood out was build more capacity for entrepreneurial support. That was number one. And I'm going to read a sentence before I, I jump in that, that stood out. It said, entrepreneurs of color typically lack the robust social and professional networks needed for high-growth businesses. And one thing that I noticed when I became a full-time entrepreneur, you know, when you sit in your office by yourself and you have a problem, you're there by yourself. But what I had to start doing was reaching out to my network. There's a longtime mentor of mine, and she's actually building an app. And she sent an email to me the other day and said, hey, you know, I'm stuck on something. We worked it out in 15, 20 minutes, and she had been thinking about it for days. And so one of the things that we need as a community is to build communities and use communities because we're coming from these corporate environments where you have these um, conference rooms that you do these kind of conversations at or you have these business meetings, and then you become an entrepreneur and you're by yourself. And so one of the things that we need is not only a community and network that we reach out to for funding and for network events, but sometimes you need a community to just, you know, run ideas by and figure out problem solutions to problems. Um, there's one thing that I, I teach a lot of my um, students is community selling cycle that I created. It's basically instead of thinking, um, piggybacking on what Lene said, instead of just thinking about the sale right now, if you're thinking about how are you going to keep that person in your community and you're connecting and you're offering them more value than just what they need now, but you're also thinking about your business and their business in the future, you're creating a community of people that can kind of dip into that jar, pull out what they need when they need it, and that's how you get those repeat customers. So when you're scaling a business, if you think community first, then you're offering more than just a service. You're offering more than just a product. You're offering like-minded individuals. You're, at, you're, you're offering solutions to problems. So I think number one, and I think it might be just because I do a lot of digital marketing, but community is everything mm -hmm. when you're selling and when you're scaling. No, I love it. That, that actual line stood out to me as well. Let's get to the caller again just to make sure – um, they may not, if they just have a question that maybe Tamika can help with. Tamika, after we get to this caller, we'll definitely let you get back to, to your busy morning. But thank you for getting up with us this morning. Let's go to the caller. Area code 480-3314. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and give us your three cents for your question for us this morning. Go ahead. Hello, Montoya. This is William calling from Dallas, Texas. Hey, what's up, King? What you got for us this morning? Thanks for getting in with us this morning. What's up, man? Love the discussion. It's what I do day in and day out. You know, I'm you know I'm all about business. Uh, but, but what I wanted to add to the discussion is I think it's important to 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 segment what we're talking about and understand uh, because the topic is scalability versus being in business. And I think a lot of times as black people we kind of don't understand how to differentiate what that is, and we get it kind of we kind of intertwine what it is. Mm -hmm. Scalability, right? It, it's okay to be in business, and and business is just basic buy sell trade. 
So if I'm capitalized enough, I can buy anything for a certain price, flip it, and make a profit on it. I just have to be capitalized enough to do that and make it make sense, right? Scalability is a whole different animal, right? Scalability is, is more about the increasing the value of what I'm investing in, right, and so that I may sell possibly that value for 10 times what I, what I make on it each and every, every month. And I think people must understand what it takes in order to scale. Scalability is not anybody who is in business for themselves and is a solopreneur, what we call solopreneur, or by themselves, they understand the challenges with, with uh, scalability because it's just them, right? And so they have a ceiling. Now, if it's about freeing your time, if it's about doing what you want to do, if it's about, you know, owning your own destiny, then that's all great and good. But that is not scalability. Scalability is Mm-hmm. You know, owning your supply chain. Scalability is having the right training system. Scalability is having the right production system. Scalability is about increasing the value. Because in this society that we live in now, you have to be unique in terms of what you offer to the market, or you're going to be easily replaced. So when we talk about offering our services to, say, corporations, the number one job of a corporation, I've worked for corporations, the number one thing corporations do is they're trying to replace their vendors every day in terms of cost right, to do business in terms of being able to do what you're providing and replacing you. So if you're not unique enough, right, if you don't, if you don't have the skill that you guys have been talking about, the skill set to be unique in the market, then you're going to be replaced really quickly anyway, very soon, right? And so I, I think what you have to understand is the differentiation between what really scalability entails versus just being in business and getting the benefits of being in business, which is just buy, sell, trade, which is just buy low and sell high. It's very basic, right? But scalability is a whole different conversation. That's it. No, that's I love it. A great I think you're helping us keep, keep it on point. I'm, yeah, now go ahead. Go ahead. Please, whoever's going to speak, go ahead. I, I just wanted to share. Um, there's, you know, I have in front of me, because I looked this up, so in preparation for this discussion, and I wanted to read exactly what scale was, because I know um, I agree 100% exactly mm-hmm. what he just said. A lot of people think of growth as scaling. A lot of people think of doing business mm-hmm. and getting more business as scaling, but that's not what it is. So I'm going to read something from SCORE, SCORE.org, and um, a lot of people may know that, that uh, SCORE offers business men- mentorship and things like that. But so scaling a business means setting the stage to enable and support growth in your company. Right. It means having the right. ability to grow without being hampered. That's the key point. Exactly. It says it requires planning, some funding, and the right systems, staff, processes, technology, and, and partners. I read that over and over and over again because I think <laughs> right. what, what, we, what we feel to think about is it's, make, it's making sure that as we grow, we don't change the service that we're offering our current customers, right? We're able mm-hmm. to stay um, mm-hmm. the course of offering a certain set of standard to our clients and customers. And so a lot of that does come with systems. It comes with having workflows. It comes with having education and coaches and, and, and consultants that help us through. But we, we do have to make that, that separation that, you know, scaling, it, it actually en- enables us to grow and support growth. Absolutely. 100%. No, very important. Let me let Tamika get a, a quick thought in because I know she has to go. And um, so if you will, Tamika, any last thoughts? Thank you, Queen, for, for your expertise. And just so you know, 
I just so happen I, I do. A lot of people don't know this. I do the show with my phone as well. I have all my guests on on the phone. I'm on the phone as well. But I so happen to check my text messages, and I have someone who actually wants your services to me because I do want to throw down on the air. We are, we're, you know, we're real people making real connections. So I definitely want to get you connected. And just so you know, me and me and Tamika talked about this. I need y'all two to talk too because. Uh, again, they they will hear more about what you do in the next segment, uh, Nina. But Tamika is interested in what you do as well, so I definitely want to get y'all connected. Perfect. Just so you know, um, after the show, I will do that. Um, but Tamika, any last thoughts in reference to what William brought to the table? I think he's kind of pointing us and making sure we're on point. And I'll say, admittedly, I didn't understand scalability until I just heard that definition. And William, who's been in business for a long time, is, is again, keeping us focused on what we should be. Any thoughts from you, Tamika? Hello, Tamika, did I lose you? I may have lost Tamika. She, I know she had to go, so she may have had to drop yeah, off. Yeah, she, text, she texted yeah, in the group chat saying that she had to drop off. Okay, she had to go. Okay, God, I missed her. Okay, no problem. Okay, well, yeah, let's keep this thing rolling. But, Wait, um, there's a group? Hey, no, wait, there's a group hey, chat? Hey, what happened to my community? Just kidding. <laughs> if I could just add really quickly. Go ahead, William. Go ahead, King. Go ahead, King. Yeah, go ahead, King. You got it. What I've seen is, and, and, and it's very important to, to differentiate the difference, because what I've seen is I've seen, I've seen gentlemen, I've seen men, women, who are very, very well capitalized and, ve- and doing what they refer to as business but not growing, right, not growing at all just because they have the money, right, and they have the ability to buy mm-hmm. or procure at a certain rate and flip. They get caught in the flipping part of business. And, again, that's just your basic mm-hmm. buy-sell trade. Anybody can do that that is capitalized. You can buy points, right? You can buy the points down, and you can sell it for the points that you bought down, right? If you're making 15 bucks or 10 bucks on a purchase, anybody can do that as long as you have the money to do so if you're capitalized, right? But that is not, as the definition stated, that is not. And I've seen guys who have money not grow, and it was for that reason. They got so caught up in the sexiness of buy, sell, trade, and flipping because flipping is not unique. It's the, easy, it's the easier way. Right? It's the way where you don't have to differentiate. You don't have to be different. You don't have to put in the work. You just buy it over here, you sell it over here. If you really want to grow a business, if you look at any business that scale, that has multiple locations, that has a brand awareness, has all of these things that we're talking about, these guys invest back into their business. And what they invest in is everything that the definition talks about. It's the system. It's the ability to train the people properly. It's the ability to move the product and procure the product properly so that your, 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 your prices don't fluctuate. It's all of that. And it's very uh, – it's, it's not an overnight thing. It is a thing that you have to put together and you have to do and you have to work and you have to invest and you have to lose sleep and you have to blood, sweat, and tears. So scalability is, is something that we should be talking about how to do it, but we really have to understand by definition and state to the definition as to what scalability is. And don't get it confused. That You can still do business. And you can still own your life, and you can still own your time, and you can still own your money, right? But you have a ceiling, and scalability is about removing that ceiling where people will come in and say, you know what, I'm going to 10x what you make every year because I see the value in what you built in terms of scalability. And where if I add my resources and my money where I can take what you've already scaled, it's a well-oiled machine, and that's what I'm buying is a machine that I can't work without you. Right. If it has to have you, if it has to have you, it is not a business. You have a glorified job, right? If, if you cannot remove yourself, then you could be working towards scalability, but you got to understand what it is. And until you can remove yourself and it continues to work 
and grow itself, then your scalability is not in a place where it's moving you into growth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I just wanted to add that. Really I understand 100%. I, I, love, I, love, I, I hear you real clear. I got to let you go. No, no, I'm glad you brought all that to the table. What I hear you really saying is, which is definitely something that happens in our community, again, it's not a neck, it's just a reality, is you're talking about hustle versus business. Like, yeah, that flip is just basically exactly. you have a hustle that you're calling a business. I'm guilty of it, so I can admit that as well. So, again, I'm not saying there's a negativity, but this conversation is moving us to it. Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah, let me take that. Yeah, thank you for your thoughts. We're going to go to another break. When you hit this cut, um, so, um, you know, I would like for you to respond because I want to get specifically into what you do because this is what people are all looking for, and you're going to hit this cut, and I think you'll be able to speak to it with your expertise. Um, thank you, William, for being on with us. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. You have a pad for I a couple do. minutes. Is okay. There answered? Um, you know what? How do I increase a social media following? <laughs> First of all, and I'm glad you asked this, especially from an SMB standpoint, small business, you want to make sure that you, it's not about increasing a social media following. That's no different than having more cars in the parking lot, more emails for the email newsletter, more addresses for the coupons that you want to send. It's, it's about understanding why. So here's what I would say. The best thing you could do for your business is to learn how to spend $100 a week on Facebook in a five mile radius of your store right now okay. to get people to come into the store okay. just to try it. Okay. I don't care how many Instagram followers you have, Twitter followers, Facebook followers. I know right now that if you spend $100 on Facebook ads people in a five mile radius of your store, that you'll have new people come in. And you'll hear stuff, we, we're doing it at Wine Library. Literally, and I see the text this week. I live in your town and I've never been in your store. I've lived okay. here for 30, we're the establishment. Yeah. We are the You're king not. store, 40,000 square foot wine shop. They live one mile away. They've lived in town for 17 years, and they go to Dave's Liquors and pay 10 times more. Big shout out to Dave's. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all businesses. So Welcome that's back. don't worry about getting more followers. Learn about how to run ads to drive your actual okay. business. That'll do. I have one more quick question. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tees. Special guest on the line with this, this, this morning, Renee Javette as well as socially Nina for this morning's discussion question, how to scale a black business. And I'm pretty sure, Nina, that cut speaks directly to your heart. So if you will, Queen, uh, for the next segment, um, we are literally the socially Nina show for the next segment. So, Queen, the floor is yours if you can speak to that. Because, again, that area of concern happens for most businesses right now. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you. And let's make it the community show because I know it's funny. As I'm I'm thinking um, back to when I started – 
I interviewed Lene on my YouTube channel. I think she was the first person I, I interviewed on my YouTube channel. Oh, wow. And I know that because wow. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm getting clips from my video creators camp that I'm putting on in Atlanta, and I saw Lene's clip, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this was horrible. But we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, and she showed up, and she gave value. And so I just had to sneak that in because I'm thinking about all these times. I haven't talked to Lene since she's moved back, um, but there's all these different times that Lene and I would reach out and haven't spoke with each other, and Lene would be, be like, I have a quick question, da, 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 da. or I would reach out and and it just speaks to the thought of, you know, mm-hmm. this thought of community. Um, what people fail to realize is that digital marketing is just community marketing. You find people like you, you take them through a customer journey, and they stick with you for years, and they either become friends in business or they become clients or a little bit of both. And so um, I, I'd love to focus on, you know, community and the customer journey and how digital marketing really plays a key to that. But I had to throw that in with, with Lene. <laughs> no, absolutely. Let me, let me throw in a quick thing. When y'all were saying I'm glad to be on together, I I met you, Nina, at Lene's first event she did in Atlanta. And, I, you know, at the time, I don't even think you recall that. So this community is I a didn't. real thing. Oh, I know, Lene. Oh, six degrees of separation. So it was kind of unknown. We didn't set this up for everybody out there listening. It just so happened that we all have met. And it worked out. So it's kind of a beautiful thing to yeah. point out. You're absolutely right. Sorry to interrupt so long. But, yeah, if you could get into what you do in reference to, you know, people having the right perspective on, you know, maybe even using someone like you or whatever because you understand that why that Gary Vee spoke to in that last cut that most business owners yeah. fail to understand. Go ahead, Paul. So, so let's, let's start here. Um, I think a lot of people, I'm sorry I have to say it, are using social media wrong because they're just thinking of it as social media. And Gary said it perfectly. Um, They're worried about having those thousands of followers and thousands of, you know, um, likes and things like that. And so one thing I am going to say is, yes, likes do bring in money if you do it right. But for me, so in the – I have a YouTube channel that is my number one growth tool, and it makes me money. But in the YouTubers community, I'm considered a small YouTuber. I just hit um, a little over 9,000 um, subscribers. And to someone who doesn't have a YouTube channel, that sounds huge. But to someone who has a million followers and 100,000 followers, that's small. But the way I'm looking at it is I have a journey for my customer that um, can reach people all over the world when I'm asleep, when I'm on vacation, when I'm, you know, cooking there's someone that's watching my video at, at, at every one of those moments. And so if you think of social media and expand it to digital marketing and think that, you know, you can take someone that, is, uh, that sees your video, that reads your blog, that sees your posts, and take them through this journey of awareness, consideration, purchasing, service, and loyalty, when you think of it in that way, then you have a whole nother perspective on digital media, digital marketing. So what I do is I actually have courses and workshops to teach small small business owners or tiny businesses um, how to scale their business using technology, using digital media, using workflows. And then I actually support, um, as a consultant, some of those mid-size um, companies or businesses on um, – 
same thing, digital marketing workflows and really getting your business up to par to scale. Now, I love it. There's a million people that say they can do what you do, and then we've been talking about distinction within today's global and international market, per se. And so you said a lot there, and, again, you serve as an amazing consultant. I know that from just uh, some of the circles I see you run in. Uh, but I, I want even more clarity on why businesses should not only take advantage of someone like you, but understanding the difference in what you're saying versus someone saying I can get you more followers. Again, I I, I just okay. want to speak to that specifically because I think that has to be understood when we have this, as William said, this distinctive conversation of scalability and having the wrong definition of it, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Cole. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. So a lot of times people will hire a social media manager, right? Give them a couple hundred dollars, and shout out to the social media managers, strategists. I want to make sure that this is um, all positivity. I've been in each of those roles. And the thing is, they hire a social media manager, and they're like, okay, here you are. Post this. Do this. Talk about that, right? And then they're wondering why their business isn't growing because they've paid someone and given them their idea of what to do, right? You hire a, a, someone to do a job, but you're telling them what to do. Or you have your cousin do it, right? Oh, my cousin posts on my social media for me, and I got that. And But they're wondering why they're not making money. And so what I do is I come in and we do a strategy session, and we talk about how you show up visibly online. So we talk about everything from your branding, and branding is not a logo. That's part of it, but it's your messaging. It's how people see you. It's how people feel when they see you. Do they feel connected? Do they like you, right? Will they, or do they feel comfortable enough to trust you? So we talk about your branding. We talk about which social media platforms you have to be on, because I know the buzzword is you need to go where your audience is. Yeah, that's kind of true, but you also need to go where you can make money, right? You need to go where you're visible. You can go where you're standing out. So we talk about which platforms you need to be on. We talk about your actual customer journey, which I would love to share with people today because this is um, kind of a game changer. But your customer journey, like if I'm out um, and I don't have a business card, can you actually say Google this, Google my name, right? Google my name and you know that your client um, or that person Googling you is going to end up scheduling a call or buying a service because you've set up that journey for them, right? Before you even, you know, they they do their own research, they find and they buy from you. So we go through how to set up that customer journey. And then we also talk about how do you keep your clients there? Because, you know, like Lene mentioned, thinking six and seven years, even if you can't offer them another service, you want them to talk about you when you're not there. And you want that person to be able to Google you and then start working with you. A lot of times you have to ask people, well, how did you find me? And you, and you find out it's someone you worked with five, six years ago. So the way I work with people is I usually take them through a strategy session and figure out exactly what those are. And we talked about coaches. I want to make sure people know the difference between a coach and a consultant because you do need coaches and consultants at different points. So coaches usually take your ideas and okay, pull them out of you. Let's do this real quick, if you will. Uh-huh. Let me go to – yeah, if you will, let me go to a quick break, and you come out of the break explaining that difference. Again, I think these are all critical things, and then um, you can kind of, you know, give give us your thoughts as well after you hear her, you know, give that distinction. And again, you are a coach, so again, this is all 
pertinent, pertinent information for someone looking to scale their business. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. So all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, How to Scale a Black Business. Special guest with us, Renee Javette, founder of Global and Training, as well as Social Nina, founder of Candy Baking Agency. If you will, Queen, go ahead and give us that distinction. Um, I think you said coaches versus, you can get said, I think I kind of lost okay. you, coaches versus yeah. something. But go ahead, Queen. <laughs> So one of the things is throughout our our entrepreneurial journey, you may need coaches or you may need a consultant, and it depends on what stage you're in. So coaches are going to bring things out of you. They're going to bring your ideas out of you. They're going to help turn you into good leaders. They actually, the, the goal of coaches are to pull things out of you, not necessarily to push you, right? And I know a lot of coaches include some consulting, right? Um, on a consulting end, what we do is we tell you more what to do. So a lot of times um, you're working with leaders who um, just need to know exactly what to do. So, for instance, you're bringing in a specialist to tell you, you, you if you're talking about, you know, making a cake or something like that, let's use that as, a, as an analogy, um, a coach is going to guide you through and give you the instructions as you do it whereas a consultant is going to help you figure out, you know, and tell you exactly what to do, but they're actually going to do it for you or hire a team to do it for you and help kind of walk you through if you need to um, change a process, if you need to hire some, some additional resources, what software um, you need to buy. So there's a distinction, and depending on where you are in your, your business, you're going to need both at um, certain times. Software to bake a cake, neither. <laughs> <laughs> I confused that analogy. I'm, I'm just saying. Analogy Your analogy went it. off the so, rail, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just so let out. me let me. I know. I looked up at the little thing. So basically, let's 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 tell let's let's give you another one. So riding a bike. If you're a consultant, right? And um, <laughs> a, a consultant is going I'm to write saying, the manual sorry, for ahead, you. I know, I know. So right. a consultant will write the manual, write the manual, and say, "This is what you do. This is when you do it. This is, you know, what type of bike you need. This is where you're going. All of that." Well, mm-hmm. where a coach will actually 
um, get on the bicycle, walk alongside you, really pull you along. There's actually an article in Forbes that talks about the difference between a coach and a consultant, and it gives one a, a similar analogy. Yeah, that the cake analogy was left. You know, I bring everything back to technology. (laughs) At one point, it always comes back to technology. That's what the nerds do. (laughs) No, that's funny. Uh, Renee, perfect opportunity for you and what you do. Um, and you can kind of speak to what she just spoke to again. Mobile and training mentorship, I think, is a, is a perfect segue into what you do. And again, for anybody that's listening, that's thinking about listening, you know, using your services. Again, I bring vetted people to the mental dialogue community. Those in Atlanta know that, so I wouldn't bring them on if I didn't know, in a sense, their backgrounds and and, and what they can bring to you as a community. Go ahead, Quinn. No, uh, Nina is absolutely correct with the coaching versus consulting. You do need both, and there is a distinction. Um, I do I do more coaching than consulting. I do do both. Um, but the mobile and training program is really it's about coaching. I believe that a lot of times as black business owners, we're the first person to do it. We're the outlier. And I think that the reason why a lot of our black-owned businesses have problems is because we're the first person. We don't have anybody to turn to. We don't have anybody to ask questions. And so that's why we have a lot of the issues when we run into black businesses. So with mobile and training, I have it as a coaching uh, a platform, if you will, to train people how to get their business up and running, uh, flush your idea out, put your product together, figure out how to charge for it, how to market it, how to get your branding together. But I, to, to use Nina's a bicycle analogy, I'm walking beside <laughs> him holding, <laughs> holding the handlebars, <laughs> making sure that they don't fall down and skin their knees and that they look professional while they do it. When I first started Close Tire, people thought I had like a seven-person team because I had systems, I had processes, I had automation, and it was just me. I was a solopreneur at that time. I didn't have a team. But I knew how to make it look like I was a mobile because I was I was the mobile in training. So now I help people, uh, especially black people in our community, who are in years one through five, get up in their business and look like a mobile while they are still have their training built on their bike. Um, and then for people who are a little bit beyond that, I actually do group coaching, which is more of the consulting where we're dealing with that person's individual business. So I really love helping the black, pe- black, black people, especially in our community, um, trained to be moguls in their business so that they don't have to make a lot of the same issues, um, mistakes and hurdles that, that I had to go through when I was first getting started because it's expensive when you're first getting started and you don't know what to yes. do. Yes, exactly. So, and one no, of the absolutely. things that Lene's no, point is... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Go ahead. So, I was, I was in IT for over 20 years and was a project manager for about 10 years, and it's funny how much you bring your um, corporate behavior into your business And one of Mm -hmm. the things that I think that we fail to do in our community is set up workflows. And so workflows are processes, procedures, and resources. So reaching out um, or actually just knowing what you need at the time. So, again, if you're setting up to use social media or digital marketing, just posting something isn't enough. You have to make sure that people are going through you know, an actual journey, but it makes it look like it's more people if you have some automations behind it where if you get to your website, they have a next step to do. Once they, you know, sign up with their email, they have a welcome email. Once they sign up with your program, they know exactly what to do. So actually selecting the right systems at the size of the business that you are and paying what you need to at the time, and like Lene said, wasting money on things that you don't need, um, you have to be able to decide 
where you are um, in your business so it looks like you have a team um, behind you before you actually can hire your team and um, set those processes and workflows into um, play. Nah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful points. And something that y'all said is pretty simple that I don't want to get overlooked is, you know, you both said you need both. And the reality for quite often solopreneurs, for example, or just even, you know, maybe a few employees is looking at the coin to the extent that we're, in a sense, trying to make the decision of being aware that we need some expertise. We need somebody who can show us the way or push us as a coach would or give us specifically a consultant would. So quite often we are aware of it, but in counting the coins, we, we're, we're kind of always choosing. Well, I think from looking at your business model, and I've watched you over the years, I think if I could throw this out, that I think you've come up with a way that somewhat answers that question for some of our, maybe like you said, by focusing on the one to five year, you're coming up with a, in my opinion, a very reasonable price point. I just want to throw that out there because, again, we're looking at your model and, and knowing what you're worth and, what again, as what you know may charge as an individual, you set this up to help that business owner that is trying to count their coins and said, I know I need this, but just thinking I need to get a little more money before I can do it. So if you could just kind of even speak to, again, the affordability from what you're doing and why they need it now and how it saves them more money in the long run, because that's what often gets missed by new entrepreneurs is you spend now to save a whole lot more money later, which actually makes you better for business. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, absolutely. When I first got started, I blew $10,000 on a website that nobody ever saw. Um, and that's between two websites, 8500 on my first website, 2500 on my second website that a web de- developer showed me how to do. And then I, for $65 was my final website. I did it myself, and that's the website that I actually launched to the public that ended up getting the 3 million page views, getting in 217 countries and territories. I spent $3,000 on a mobile app that I didn't use because I changed the website two times. I had my logo redone three times. Like, it was just a hot mess. When I first got started, and I remember, and I told myself then, I was like, when I figure out how to start a business, I'm going to tell somebody else because when you're first getting started, you don't have anybody to turn to, and the people who can help you, they want five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, three thousand dollars, and I'm like, I don't, I'm just starting. I don't have three thousand dollars to give you, so I mm-hmm. had to self-train myself. That's why I gave myself the moniker Mogul in Training. I had to teach myself marketing, teach myself branding, teach myself about website, and it was time. If you aren't spending money, you're wasting money and time trying to teach yourself these things, and so I just. When I got to a place after I started three businesses, I was like, I'm going to help other people train to be a mogul so that it doesn't take them as long to get their business up, to make their business profitable for them to look like they know what they're doing. And so the reason why I target black-owned businesses in years one through five is because that's where most businesses fail. That's where you get the most frustrated. That's where you spend the most money. Mm -hmm. That's when you need the most help, and it's really hard to get it. So I created the Mogul and Training Program. I made it very feasible at $49 a month because I feel like, you know, that's a couple of, of, of coffee throughout the month you, you should have that and then I take people through for the four what I consider let me say what I consider because this may not be another coach's or another consultant's way of doing it but I take them through uh, five phases the first is the business plan which I take them through ideation which is actually what is your idea and how can you bring it to life 
producing it, forming the business. I take them through branding, marketing, diversifying, which is what we're really talking about here um, from scaling perspective, but diversifying through monetization. So are they looking to write a book? Are you looking to start a course? Um, and then growing. So, I mean, and, it, and it's the started piece. Again, it's years one through five. If you get, you, you will grow and scale. You're going to need a consultant and somebody that's going to come in and take it to the next level. But this is really for people that are like, I want to start a business. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And that's where a lot of people in our community are. And so that's really, that's my, that's my, that's my sweet spot. I like dealing with those people. Um, and then people who, no, sure we go to group posting and things of that nature. Right. And so, so Nina, just to put it out there, she would be when you, when, when they, when you're past the stage, when you, when you, when you, when you, you got the funds coming in, but you don't know how to, to scale. Uh, at least that's right. how I look at you, Queen. Correct yeah, me if I'm right. wrong or whatever. But again, you put your you 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 made your value point at that point. So if you could kind of speak to that, because again, making a lot of money but not knowing how to scale, you won't be around long. So if you could speak to that very briefly before we go to another break, and Brother Piaki, we'll get to you after the break. Go ahead, Queen. Right, and so I work with entrepreneurs at different stages, one to three and then three to five years, and usually the people that I'm working with, they already have an established business. They just want to grow or scale or both. They want to make more money. And so what I focus on is video marketing. So using items like YouTube and Instagram and IGTV and live streams and really reaching people that you wouldn't reach, like Gary Vee said um, in the cut, that, you know, you're right down the street um, if you're doing some marketing, I'm actually reaching people internationally through video and, and having, you know, you end up having clients from around the world. Um, I was able to speak in Bahrain um, because of my YouTube channel. I didn't even know where Bahrain was, but I, now I have clients internationally because of videos. So one thing that I want people to do is get over their video phobia and afraid to, being afraid to use video to scale their business because that's what's going to allow them to actually um, make money while they sleep. So um, I do have a video creators camp in Atlanta on June 28th and June 29th where uh, for two days we're going to work on how do you come up with topics and scripts? How do you actually sell with video? How do you keep people coming back when you don't have to have a part in it? You have a business to run, so let your video sell for you, and how do you take people through that customer journey? Um, so I concentrate a lot on video because that's what's brought in my clients over the last few years. No, nah, that's beautiful. I got to go to another break, and it's a perfect segue to this break. Um, this sponsor, LNG Technologies, uh, they basically do a lot of government contracting for the military, and some of their commercial, they just to kind of you speaking to video, some of their commercial business came from a video of them just showing some of their work. They had no idea that the video would have brought them business. So, again, what you're talking about moving in that direction is very applicable for 2019, just being very sincere about it. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 
781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you have a product or service that you want to get out into all to the smartest audience of all the radio, please contact me directly. Again, that number is 404-604-9477 or inbox me on Facebook as well as IG. The IG is mental underscore dialogue. We have a caller, Brother Pianchi, wanting to get on with us this morning. Hey, Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis, give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. You know, we are Baton Rouge today, but uh, this lady is very okay. dynamic. Yeah, this person is, this young lady is very dynamic and very accurate on what it is that she's disseminating. And one thing that she said. That, so you know. Just so you know. Go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Well, we'll split it up equally. <clears throat> but uh, no, <laughs> business plans are very, very important. One thing, if it doesn't work on paper, it's going to be very difficult to work in real life. And also, it gives you something, targets to keep you on the straight and narrow, especially when it comes down to the expenses. So, uh, no, keep up this good work. you in areas that I never have ventured off into, and apparently it's working out for you. And I would suggest one thing. If you have seminars out in the public, make sure you charge them people. Well, folks like to come and snack on your snacks and listen to your talk and nap. Charge them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, she don't play. Yeah, she don't play. Yeah, she don't play. Yeah, she don't play. Neither one of, right, neither brother, one of these later. queens plays when it comes to getting their money. <laughs> nah, thank they you, brother. You just had accolades for both of you. Yeah, it, it's great to give, you know, I think we both give back a lot to our community, but it's in, in the end, this is a business, and I know a lot of people use the word passion and profit and all this other stuff, and the thing is, you know, although there's these times where we give back, in the end, we can't give discounts. We're a business, and sometimes, you know, you have to pay to grow. You have to pay to scale, and so I think that's a great point. Of you know, there's times where we can give away things free, but when you really, really, really want the nitty gritty on how to grow and scale and succeed in your business, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay for it. And a lot of times, you have to decide: do you have the money or do you have the time? Because if you have the time, you're doing a lot of do-it-yourself stuff, and you know you're going through those frustrations. And then what happens when you pay for these courses and these workshops is it saves you the time and frustrations that you know, we've put in, and you actually learn from other people's mistakes. And each person's path is different, but at, at one point, you know, at each point in your business, you have to decide at this point, do I have the money to put into this or do I have the time to learn and put into this? And as you grow and as you scale, you have to start putting in less time and more money so you can scale at a faster pace. I asked you about all the no, time. So you important. Lene, Lene, we were just talking about this last night. Oh, go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. 
No, no, I was just saying to, to Nina's point, when people when you start talking about money or what, how I think about it, I, I ask you all the time, do you want me to tell you or do you want me to show you? Because I can tell exactly. you for free, but yep. it costs for me to show you. Because I give exactly. that, that's what I've been videos all day. I'm telling people what to do all the time. I'm giving that game away for free. This is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. I do that all day. But when people are like, well, can you show me? Oh, hold on. I can you know, show yep. me. That's different. Yes. <laughs> this is the show me money. I mean, just so, and that's what I use with my YouTube. Like, I do, I show you how to use each of these applications, how to set it up, how to, you know, do your graphics, how to do that. But when you want that strategy behind it, because a lot of people were like, okay, I got it. I know how to use it. But it's like, okay, well, well what do I do now? So when you actually want to right. learn the strategy, then you have to pay a little bit more. Or you have to read a lot more or whatever it is. But, yeah, like, like when they say that show me part, um, you're going to have to invest. And you have to invest something in your business. Um, I know there's a lot of things on how to start a, a business with zero money. And, of course, you can do that. But the, the more you invest, the more time you invest, the more money you invest, it's um, – going to help you grow quicker. And sometimes you have to get a side hustle for your side hustle. Are you, are you cutting out, you know, your coffee and your hair? There's people who will quit gym memberships to work with me. There's people who are, or, and I'm sure Lene too, they'll quit, you know, uh, getting their nails done or their hair done because they know that this is what they want. So what are you willing to give up for your business so you can learn it and shorten that time that it takes to actually win and succeed? Uh, absolutely. Uh, when, they know, when it comes to this world of uh, coaching and consulting, you know, concept. When I get, I was mentioning this to you last night when they unload the video we were on, and again, it was kind of a, a side to what you were talking about. But just even the perspective, again, we are the mental dialogue community, and the goal is to plant seeds that, you know, you can go water and grow with. And just even the concept of you becoming an entrepreneur, again, we've talked about scalability all morning, so definitely a different concept of going into business, but just the to kind of reiterate and piggyback what else to do um, to what you're talking about, just the concept of pick your brain. The idea, in my opinion, one of your quick thoughts on it, but pick your brain. For me, when I want to do that, I'm at least taking care of that person's time. If, you know, a, 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 the dinner and additional handshake with a, you know, with some with, with something in the, in, in the handshake. You know what I mean? Just from the standpoint of this person is an expert. They've taken their time with me, and quite often we're wanting that for just a dinner or even for free, not understanding without an exchange. You're not going to do anything with it. You know, you, talk, you spoke about that last night, how many people you tell who don't do anything with it. If you could just kind of mention that when it comes to this concept of scalability and how people still miss the boat on taking advantage of someone like yourself or someone like me. Well, you, we do. I, I know Nina does too, but I get it a lot. Can I pick your brain? Will you look at this? What do you think about this? Can you look at my website? And what I usually tell people who work with me, like my, if you work with me, like if you're a client or you are in my membership, if you send me a pick your brain or look at something, I look at it because I feel like you you paid to be at the top of my priority list, so I do do that. Um, and then we're talking about for friends, like you know me and you, Montoya, we take we sat down and had coffee or Jonathan or something, and we we picked each other's brain. I think the whole part of building the community and building the network is you have people who can pick your brain, like what Nina said. Me and Nina have sat down and picked each other's brain and had dinner or lunch, or you you surround yourself with people that you can do that with. Um, but if you're just getting started and you don't have that network, then you have to make those investments. You have to get in a, a either a, a membership, um, a, a coach, consulting. 
you can only watch so many videos. You can only read so much free stuff because, and I'm, this is just some, some free game right here. Anything that is free is leading you to something that is paid. So they're going to give you just enough free stuff to, to, to make you be dangerous, but they're not going to give you enough strategy or flow or, you know, the resources mm-hmm. to connect these things to actually to be able to monetize it, if that makes sense. So that's why it's important. Like, if you, when you really get serious about your business, like when I really wanted to go from um, be, being a mogul in training to being a mogul who trains other people, I had to start making those investments. I had to get my own coach. I'm a coach, and I have a coach. I'm a coach, and I have a marketing coach. Like, it, it doesn't stop. There's always somebody doing something different than you, doing something better than you. And if you want to get to that level, you have to make that investment. She had some great points, and I remember I had an event, and after the event, it was a lunch. Uh, it was a, just a lunch that everybody networked in, and Lene and I stayed, remember Lene, for like two hours, and we talked. Oh, yeah. And you remember, I just remember when you said that. And so let me, I, it, it gave me the thought of a distinct separation. Lene and I respect each other, and if we talk, I might know the answer, but I need to talk to a friend that I trust to pull it out of me and we're going back and forth, just like old school, you sit down and you have this network of the good old boys and stuff like that. And you have your people like that. I wouldn't say to Lene, let me pick your brain. It's more, girl, we need to go out for drinks. I'm stressed, right? But then there's these people that are in your inbox that are like, hey, let me pick your brain. Do you know I have a service on my book me page that says pick your brain? It's a $97 session. And I'll say, oh, yeah, sure, you can pick my brain. Here's the link, right? Because it is pick my brain is a service. Pick my brain is a service. So let me tell you, though, there's a difference in joining a community. Like Lene said, there's people who join my $29 a month um, program. And, yes, in that community, I answer to that capacity. But when they jump in my inbox, I let them know in the community. Post it in the group because that's the level of access that you purchase, right? Or, yes, Mm -hmm. I'll surely, I'll look over your site. Let's actually record it so everyone can see it. But when you pay for that one-on-one access, it's very geared towards you and not a group. So, yeah, there's people that, you know, you're going to say, oh, yeah, come to my event, speak, and you're not going to charge them because you have this connection with them. But you know when that's that person, and that Mm -hmm. person would, would clearly pay you if they had to. But there's a certain level of relationships in your community, going back to what I talked about, Building a community mm-hmm. of people that you can depend on, but if you're not if you're not paying that person and you don't have a relationship with that person, you're going outside of those boundaries. Um, one thing I, I want to say also is friends and family. I used to give these coupons and uh, to friends and family, or put them in groups, or do these sessions with them. And I'm talking about sessions I would pay, I would charge people five hundred dollars for. I sit down with you know a friend and do it. And mm-hmm. you know what happened? Absolutely nothing they would do absolutely, absolutely nothing with that $500 session that they just got. And so now no I have... Is, we're up against the time. So we're up against the time, yeah. y'all. So what I want to do is I want to make sure people have understand how to access you. Meaning, um, if you will, go ahead and go into the offering. Just so you know, I'll say it on the air live, and we'll talk afterwards. I, I'm still trying to get my link to work because I know you're, um, you know, giving me an opportunity to share with my community. But if you will... Uh, I got you on the back end. Know exactly what I you're doing. You. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, go ahead, Clint. So let good. me know what so, you're doing again here in Atlanta pretty soon. 
June 28th and 29th, I'm doing a video creator's camp. It's for anybody who is afraid to get on the on, on camera, anyone who makes, wants to make sales um, on camera, anyone who wants to take their marketing to the next level using video. So it is two days. You can go to video creator's camp. When you get the welcome message, just respond and let us know that um, you've heard about it through this show so we can give um, credit where credit is due. But I implore you to come out. We have restaurant owners, lawn care people, business coaches. I have a variety of people coming from all over the United States to come and learn how to use video marketing to make money, everything from lighting to scripts to how to publish everything. So video creators camp, and you can search for me anywhere um, using Socially Nina, and you can find any of my other offerings. Uh, love it. Lene, if you will, uh, I know you were making an offer to the Mental Dialogue community specifically. we got about a minute before we close. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah. So really quickly, because um, I love Montoya, I love his audience, and I just appreciate the love that I get whenever I come over to Mental Dialogue. For anybody that signs up for the Mogulin Training Program this month, which is the month of June, um, if you use the code Mental Dialogue, which you just know how to spell it, you'll get $10 off. So it would be $39 a month for you if you're listening to this in particular um, session, $39 a month for the month per month. Use the code Mental Dialogue. You can go to either com if you know how to spell my name, or what's easier might be MIT, as in Mogul and Training, membership.com, MITmembership.com. Uh, thank you. If both of you will send me all your links via a Facebook message, I will post all of the links that everybody just heard that you just gave to everyone uh, with any of the replays. So if y'all want to send your inbox with any links. But thank y'all both. Y'all were amazing this morning. I appreciate, appreciate y'all for all of the information. I think it has a lot of people out there thinking. We'll see y'all next Saturday. Again, my name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team. All I ask is that y'all think. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Ciao. Bye, love. Bye, Queen. See you out.